Take your Bible to John chapter 14, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I use this a lot. If you've been around me at all, you know that this is a passage that I go to a lot. It's one that I memorized when I was a kid. It's one that I share at funerals. It's just a passage of hope. And uh, it reminded me, because when I was a kid, we used to play certain games um, and, and the one game is still a popular game, even with the teenagers today. Uh, they, they love to get together and hang out at the church and play hide and seek. Uh, the church provides this huge uh, area, arena for them to run and hide and do all these things. And it's fun when we get together and do the activities, how they do that. But when we were kids, <clears throat> we raised the bar and we used to not only, now I was a redneck. So if you, this sounds like a redneck game, I'm sorry, it's true. It was, I grew up in Somerville, Alabama. Okay. So you guys give me a break here. Uh, we used to play a game called kick the can. Anybody know what kick the can is? All right. So um, it was kind of like hide and seek, except what you would do is you would have a can or we used to use like a two liter bottle. You fill it full of rocks at the bottom of it. So it'd be weighted down. And then that person would guard the can and then they would go call people out and then they would go back and they'd have to touch the can to call them out. But if they got far enough away from the can, somebody that was hiding could come out and kick the can and let everybody that was uh, already captured, let them go and the game would kind of reboot. So it was a great game, it was fun, but both games, before they would come out and go find everybody, would yell out the words, ready or not, here I come. There's coming a day, ready or not, Jesus is coming back. It's not going to be him yelling those words. The Bible says that there's going to be a shout archangel, the trump of God shall sound. It's, it's weird. You get into a subject of the rapture and people get wigged out by it. I'm serious. It's like, okay, all right. You know, a lot of things we do is a little weird, okay? Just telling you guys from people that don't know the word of God and they say, went to this church, they got a bathtub and <clears throat> every once in a while, certain people get chosen to be dunked in the tub. You know what I mean? Just like, from the outside, and sometimes we pass out snacks in the middle of service. They all dress up and they pass out snacks. They call it communion. I don't know what it's about, but but your limited is for the cracker. It's a very small snack, you know. It just it just doesn't make sense to them, you know. If we we get to the the, the end of the service and we'll say we're going to have an altar call. Well, in the Bible, it's a place where they sacrifice people and they come to the altar. I'm good, dude. I'm good. I saw the story of Abraham and Isaac. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Wait till we get to the subject of the rapture. Talk about one day Jesus is going to call us home and people are just going to disappear everywhere. And then you start explaining that and says, you know, and you know, you see the movies and the clothes fall everywhere and you know, just, and everybody's like, all right, that's just weird. You know, I, I, I think, I know it can be kind of weird to the world, but it can even be weird to Christians. You know, because we don't talk about it a lot. I mean, it's become kind of like one of those things that encourage me and tell me something positive and I want to be edified and I want all those things. But I'll tell you what I want too is I want truth. I, I want the truth. That's what I want. I want the truth. And we know that the end is near. And even saying that, the people in movies will be there like, the end is near and they'll ring the bell and wear the signs and, you know, make jokes. And they, the, the, anybody that does that is like looked upon as the weirdo. You know, but the Bible says the disciples were together and he was talking to them. And listen to what he says. He says, let not your heart be troubled. 
He's about to give them some good news, a message of comfort, a message of, hey, I know you're down, and Jesus was about to leave, and he said, stop. Let me tell you something, and let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were so, were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, listen to this, I will come again. Can I just stop and ask you guys as a church who's saying that? It's Jesus. I just said it like a southerner. It's Jesus. Pastor Dave rubbed off. I will come again and receive you unto myself for where I am, there you may be also. He said very clearly, I am coming back for you. If you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and he saved you and said, man, I believe that in the Bible because he did it and I believe it, then you also have to believe in this. It's not a buffet. You can't go through and choose the parts that you want out of this. This is good news and the world jokes about the end. You realize that the Bible talks about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but also with any kind of story that there is a beginning, there is also an end. The Bible even references the end. Jesus with the disciples, and they start asking these questions. Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now, you even talk like that. It's like, okay, weirdo. What do you mean the end of the world? It talks about the end of the world. There's an expiration date. The world has a curse. All the way back from Genesis, man sinned, and the world had a, uh, we didn't have the touch of God on our world because sin stepped into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. You want to know why the world is so hard? You want to know why there's sickness and disease and death and funerals and saying goodbye and there's, there's cancer and all these things because the world is cursed. You might not believe the Bible, but I promise you'll agree with me on this. The world is messed up. It is so messed up. People that are just trying to survive in life and they get caught up on drugs or people that are trying to have a good marriage and then things fall apart or people that are trying to raise their kids and there's so much opposition and you sit back and you say, this is so hard. It's cursed. It's not my verbiage. I mean, cursed is the ground. The Bible uses that all the way back from Genesis. Sin is running its course. We talk about the world falling apart and the ozone layer and and government tries to sit there and say, we've got to patch it together and green energy and all this other stuff. I'm telling you, you can have any politician with any kind of thing they're going to do. Nothing is going to fix this world. That's why God's taking us out. Nothing's going to fix this world. I don't care who you vote in. I don't care how Tuesday goes. The only hope for this world is Jesus. You remember that. The only hope for this world is Jesus. We can beat the drum on politics all day long, and I think Christians should be involved. You should vote. You get out and vote. Get out and vote. Do your due diligence. But at the same time, I'm telling you, my hope isn't whoever gets elected. My hope is in Jesus Christ. Don't ever let that mindset leave your mind. But I want to talk about about what the Bible says about the end. Okay, what does the Bible say about the end? Number one, Jesus is coming back. I'm, I'm going I'm to prove this to you from Scripture. I want you guys to know that it's from the Bible that Jesus said this, and I want it to hit your hearts. It's not a sci-fi thing. It's not a movie thing. It's not a preacher's get up, and I'm going to scare you today or say something to where you can't sleep tonight. I hope it's the Word of God and the conviction of God that pricks your heart and makes it to where you can't sleep tonight. But I want it to be the Bible because my opinion or the fact that I pastor a Baptist church, none of that matters. It's the authority of God's word that matters. 
So I take you to the Bible. And we're going to listen to the words of Jesus Christ. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again. This is the last or the next prophetic thing left in the history of the Bible to happen. Now, if I was to take you into the Bible, and I was going to go all the way to, back to the beginning, Jesus, or God said, God said, God said in his prophecy all the way through, prophecy all the way through, we, we saw that even Christmas is, is prophecy being fulfilled before our eyes. He will come again in a baby in Bethlehem and all these things that he said would happen. It's all prophetic. It all happened. He was saying, if I say something, you can take it to the bank because it's going to be true. Let me tell you guys, the next prophetic thing to happen in our world is the coming of Jesus Christ for the church. That's the next thing. You want to be anticipating something? This is what we should be anticipating. The, the word rapture is not in, found in the Bible, and we use it all the time. But let me show you in the Bible where we get that from. In, in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. He's going to bust open all the graves and say, that's my child, those are my kids. It's a matter of God making a statement. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, literally snatched up. Now, you, just so you know that that phrase, caught up together, is where we get the word rapture. That, that word means to be caught up, caught away, plucked up, to pull, to snatch away. It's God's kind of way of, like, if there, there's a war and he's going to pull us out, okay? It's, it's, it's his extraction. It's his uh, escape plan. It's his redemption. It's his, he's calling us out of the mess. Praise God. God calls us out of the mess. Together to meet him in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. It says to meet him in the air. This is us going to heaven. And he says at the end of this, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This should, this should thrill our hearts. We, we should talk about the rapture. And for us that are saved, it's like, praise God, let it happen, bring it on. That's what, how his heart should be. Amen. But the Bible says in John 14, 3, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. Now here's the why. We've, we've got to know the why. If not, this is just weird. You just say, why is God going to bring us out of this mess? Why is God going to blow a trumpet and take us out? Here's the why. And receive you... Unto myself, that where you are, that where I am, there you may be also. Here's the why. He's going to restore what's broken. Do we understand the fact that God made us to be with him for all the way from the Genesis and the story that Adam and Eve were meant to walk with God and sin separated from God? God's desire for us to be with him has never changed. Now, when Jesus came to the earth, he came and rescued us and he came and died on the cross and he said, I'll come again to restore what was broken. When you think of the, uh, the rapture, let it ringing your mind of the fact that God's going to restore what is broken. I'm going to restore what is broken. I'm going to receive you unto myself or where I am, there you may be awesome. Something is missing in this world. Sin separated us from God and everybody knows it. Let me tell you the reason why, and I know if you've heard me preach, you know that I say that, but this is evidence of this. The separation that we have from God is what brings all the issues in our life. God is life. We separate ourselves from life. All we have is death. God is holy. You separate from God. You know what you have? You have unholiness, unrighteousness. The world is falling apart because what we need to sustain life is, is not the ozone layer fixed. It's God. God is the sustainer of life. God is the giver of life. It's what we need in our life is God. 
The more we have an absence of God, the more the world falls apart. God's going to restore what is broken. I love this. If you go to Revelation, it explains what he's going to restore. Revelation, the end of the Bible, the end of the promises and all these things. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. and He will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself, listen to this, God himself shall be with them and be their God. Isn't that awesome? You say, why the rapture? Because God wants you with him. God's going to restore what is broken. We will be with God. This was the original intent. And I love this aspect of this. He says in John 14 too, he said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He's talking about a reunion, a relationship, my father's house, a place of belonging you know, I, I tell my kids all the time, Jordan will say, uh, he, Jordan has an apartment, he's on the other side of town and everything, and a lot of you guys know that all the time, and Jordan will do this. He'll say, well, I'm going home, and I'll t- remind him, I said, bud, you are home. Okay, he goes, dad, you know what I mean. No, Jordan, this is your home. You know why? Because when we're here, we're family, we're all together, we're brothers and sisters. I mean, we're brothers and sisters, and mom and dad, and this is the way that God intended. I, I, I want you home. My life has changed so much in the last couple of years. Do you know what happened yesterday? It's a weird thing, okay? I have three kids. My daughter, my baby girl, bought a car. She has a car now. That makes me feel so old. She's got a driver's license, she's got a job, and she's got a car. I'm like, oh, that's so exciting. It is, but it's, as a dad, it's weird. I, it's, you don't want your kids constantly saying, Dad, give me a ride. But at the same time, I, I, I like the fact that I, I, I love my kids, okay? You know, it's something special that I never thought that I would miss so much. Just sitting at the table as a family. You know, it's like when we had it, I didn't realize how much that I had. So anybody in here that's raising kids right now and you say, you got to clean them up and put it on there. And you got to, you know, I, I know it's a lot of work, but count your blessings. It's a joy because one day you're not going to have that. Now it's a matter of us pulling out our phones and scheduling dinner and saying, are you guys free Friday night? Well, let's get together. I've got friends. I've got work and all this other stuff. And, you know, you say, why do you do that? Let me just tell you, at the heart of a dad, I want my kids with me. There's, there's, there's a joy. Do you realize why Jesus in this passage, he said, in my father's house are many mansions, if it were not so. In my father's house. It was, it was, it was a place of home. Can I just play it out there? Donna Tenney right now is home. She's home. You need to understand that this world is not home. Stop acting like it's home. This is not home. Praise God it's not home because it's a crummy home in a lot of aspects. A lot of fighting and division and wars and hurricanes and cancer and all this other garbage. Thank God this is not the end. God's going to restore what was broken. He's going to bring us back to himself. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Here's the second point, what he's going to restore. In in Revelation 21, verse 4, And God shall wipe away the tears from their eyes, and there shall be, listen to these words, no more. No more death. No more sorrow. No crying. Neither shall be there any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I'll never have to get up and say, we need to pray for 
uh, Mike Tenney because he's going through loss. I'll never have to say again a report of Logan's cancer. I'll never have to say there will be no more of this. Here's the other thing. There will be no more curse. That's the reason why God's coming back for us. No more curse. The world is full of pain and sickness and this frustrates us. Some people that are in this world will say, I don't know why a loving God would leave us in this mess. Hey, good news. The loving God has a plan to get us out of this mess. He's not going to leave us in this mess. Our loving God has a plan to get us out of this mess. Even in Scripture, over every, every time he says, by the way, I'm going to wipe away all the tears from your eyes. There will be no more crying, no more of these things. I, he, he even puts it in verse 5 of that. He said, and he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. I make it all new. Sin broke this world. Sin destroyed this world. And God says, I'm going to take them home. I'm going to pull them out of this mess. Here's the why. Because he's going to restore what is broken. He's going to also, but he's going to fulfill his promise again. John 14, 3, I want you to see how he says this. And this is so important to understand because uh, we're living this as we speak. And I'll, I'll explain that. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. Again. Now, for us, we, we just verbalize that all. And he's coming again. Can, can I remind you of the first time? I love the Christmas season. Some of you guys have already decorated. I'm just curious. I'm just curious. No judgment zone here, okay? How many of you have already put up Christmas trees and decorations in your house? Okay. You're all weirdos. No, I'm just kidding. I said no judgment. <laughs> but it's funny how, you know, it's like November 1st, we get into that zone uh, the, the stores started already in the summer and stuff like that, putting out Christmas trees and all that other stuff. But we love Christmas. We, we love the songs and we love the theme and we love the atmosphere and the decorations. And we, we've got some big stuff planned for us as a church. We love this. But can I tell you the whole point of Christmas is the fact that they missed this? They missed it. Now, I'm just, I know it's not Christmas yet, but join me. As I'm going to tell you the Christmas story real fast, okay? Or part of the Christmas story. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Now, Herod didn't get this. You guys know Herod wasn't like Solomon and David and them. He was carnal. He was wicked. Uh, he was not like the rest of them whatsoever. He was filled with just jealousy of what's going on. He didn't get this at all. He was paranoid. So these people come in the town, and there was a big ruckus. You know what they were all worried about, or he was all worried about? The fact that somebody was going to take his throne. He didn't even know that Jesus was a baby or what was going on. The Bible says that when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled. Now listen to this. And all of Jerusalem with him. When the magi, when the, when the wise men, we don't know how many, when they came in the town, it literally stirred up the town. It was a big deal. It was almost like a historic event as they came in the town and they did that. So now you got this carnal guy, and he's like, what's going on? So you know what he asks? He goes and asks the people that study the Word of God. L listen what he says. And he gathered together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together and demanded of them where Christ should be born. The chief priests were the spiritual leaders. They're the ones that represented the Word of God, literally. The scribes were the ones that would keep note of the Word of God, and they keep the records and all that stuff. So they literally get the best of the best together gathered them in a room and said, hey guys, here's what's going on. They see a star. They're talking about a promised Messiah that he's be born. They're talking about going to Bethlehem. Tell me the truth. What's going on with this? Now listen to this. 
And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is thus written by the prophet, that thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the, uh, the princes of Egypt, for out of thee shall come a governor and shall rule my people of Israel. They quote prophecy. Literally, these scribes. It's exactly happening how they said. And you know what they did? Now, here's the thing. The scribes and, and, and the chief priests, they got together and they're like, praise God, Jesus is born. They gathered them all together. They shut down the city. They all went to Bethlehem. They crowded that place and they wanted in there to be able to worship Jesus because he came exactly how he said. Now, let me ask you, is that how it happened? The scribes and the chief priests did nothing. Have you ever thought about that? They did nothing. The whole city is in uproar. Star in the east coming in. We've seen the star fulfilling a prophecy. They confirm with the guys. They say, is this how it happened? It's exactly how the Bible would happen. Said it would happen. And they did nothing. You know, it's, it's sad that history often repeats itself. You know, often we've heard, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And it doesn't stir our hearts. I think we get so used to hearing it, so used to saying it. I mean, even the songs that we just sang, there will come a day, there will come a day. And we get so excited about it. But then God says over and over again, now I don't have time to get into it, but can I tell you guys the fact that Israel became a nation? Can I tell you about the the prophecy of time and the things that are happening in government and, and technology that we have? Literally, it's just laid out step by step, line by line in the Bible of just, we don't know the day nor the hour, but I promise you, we know the season of when God's coming back. The question is, are we going to have a repeat where we hear and see everything happening and we just fall asleep? At the end of time, here's what I can promise you is going to happen. Jesus is coming back. But I have to give you the second point. Because the second point is just is true. It's the first point. Many will be left behind. Jesus is talking in John 14 to those that are followers of God. He gathers them together. He's talking to them and he's speaking to their hearts about them being followers of Jesus Christ. But this is not applied to everyone. Now, I'm going to ask you guys to, just to tune in to what I'm saying right now. If I've, if I've lost you at all, please tune in right now. I do funerals all the time. I do a lot of funerals. It's just part of the job, being part of the community. I do them for people in the church and out of the church. And it's amazing how I have people that I've known or not known or whatever that have nothing to do with God, church, no fruit or whatever. But when it comes to a funeral, do you know what every person says when they come to that pulpit to give testimony of their family? I'm so glad they're in heaven and I'm so glad I'll get to see them again. Like they want nothing to do with God, heaven, truth, salvation, whatever. But in that moment, they're clinging to a hope that is not real unless they know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Now, I'm not saying this to like down people or whatever. I'm just saying just for when we all know what I'm talking about. Everybody wants to think about heaven when it comes to hope. But the only way to heaven is what Jesus said in this passage. In John 14, when he gets to do it, he gets to verse 5 and 6. Thomas speaks up and he begins to come back and talk to Jesus. And Thomas said, Father, we know not. Lord, we know not whether thou goest. And he says, how can we know the way? Now, I'm going to tell you guys this right now because when we say that there's many ways or many things or how I feel and everybody has an opinion about how to get to heaven, 
But he was mentioning, and God mentions this too in verse 6, there is only one way. You're talking about heaven and the rapture and being caught up and all these things. There is only one way. Jesus responds to him. And he says unto them, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Now this is the truth. Because I I believe that there is so much spiritual warfare that happens in the world today. It's amazing how we get so caught up with, like, I'm okay. Do you understand? There is coming a day, and this is the reality, okay? This is the reality. And Jesus said that. He said it when he was talking about the rapture and the coming of Jesus Christ for the church. In Matthew 24, 40, he said, Then shall there be two in the field. The one shall be taken, and the other shall be left. Do you guys hear that? Verse 41, Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, the other shall be left. There is coming a day, and I'm not saying this trying to like play on your emotions. I'm just giving you the hard facts. There's coming a day when people are going to come up missing where God calls them home. It's talking about coworkers that you work with, the kids that you're serving next to, or washing dishes, or doing laundry, or playing ball. There's going to be a time where one shall be taken, the other shall be left. The difference between the two are those that acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man goes to the Father, no man goes to the Father but by Jesus Christ. I say this at a service right now because I believe that we play this game so much. There's no peace. There's no confidence. Even to the point where we start talking about hell or the rapture and people get so nervous, like, like I don't want to hear this. I, I've had people say, I hate messages like this because it just tears me up inside. May it tear us up inside maybe because of the fact is that we have people that don't know Jesus, but we should have total confidence as Christians. Here's why I'm telling you this now, because Satan will deceive. At the very beginning of it, talk about the beginning and the end, okay? At the, when the end time comes... And uh, uh, Eve in the garden, she testified to this when she was talking to God. And she said, and the serpent beguiled me. He tricked me. You know why this is so important? Because there's so many people that don't have peace in their heart. Go to church, grow up in church, go to youth group, go to Midnight Madness, go to teen camp, have the Iwana Awards and all this. But they don't have peace in their hearts. And you say, why in the world would you not just reach out to God and say, God, I don't have peace and you're the author of peace and save me? Because of the fact is that we have an opposition against truth in the world. When Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, well, let me tell you, Satan is the opposite of truth. And Eve testified, I chose wrong, not just because of the fact is she chose wrong, because she had an outside influence that said he beguiled me. Now, let me take you to the end of Revelation. When Satan is referenced in Revelation 20, he is referenced as the old serpent. Literally, as he's, as he's coming to the end of the time and God's going to throw him into the bottomless pit and be done with Satan, he references him all the way back to the saying, Satan has not quit doing what he started to do from the very beginning. Amen. He is still working as the old serpent. You're good enough. Why, why, why do you get so worked up about this? You have time and all these other things. And I, I think Satan works overtime to, to, to distract us. 
Our kids need to hear messages about the end times. They need to hear messages about the rapture. They need to hear this because one day one will be taken and one, shall be, one will be left. They need to know now. You need to know now. Now is the accepted time. This is, this is the grace of God for the very, very fact that he's not come back yet. It's because he still wants the truth to get out. And then he says and testifies in Revelation 20 verse 10, and the devil that deceived them. I'm not making this up. It says, and the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire. What did he do? Deceiver. You don't need God. You don't need church. You don't need your mom and dad shoving that down your throat. You, you don't need that whole cross stuff. And it, that's, a, that's a crutch. And you're good on your own. Or you're a good person. Or you try hard. Or you did that. Or you said a prayer. No prayer in the world that does not come from the heart of man will save your soul. The Bible never says it's repeating words. I can go up to a kid and say, do you want to go to heaven or hell? Listen, just say these words. The Bible says very clearly, unless we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts, it must come from the heart. There must be conviction. And let me tell you right now, if you're living a life and there's no conviction where God comes to live inside of your life, if God comes to live inside of your life, you will not remain the same. Unrighteousness will bother you. God will pull you. There should be peace that passes all understanding. I'm not saying that everything is perfect and that we don't have issues whatsoever. We have struggles. But there is the presence of God that is the power of God that will be evident in your life. And I can tell that anybody right now, let me me just do by survey. Uh, If you're here today and you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you can personally testify the peace that God gives you. Raise your hand right now. I want to see it. Okay, not everybody can do that. And I'm only saying that as a testimony and not trying to outdo anybody. But I am something, when you, when you hear about God and it's just verbiage of church and uh, sermon or whatever, and you experience God, there is a difference. There is a drastic difference. The Bible says to come from death unto life. And the Bible says that we walk in darkness, but we experience the great light. There is a transformation that happens in your life. If there is no transformation, I beg of you right now to listen to the Spirit of God as He speaks. I beg of you. Because there is only one way into heaven. And that is repenting of your sins and asking Jesus Christ to come into your life and to save you while there is time. Because there's going to come a time when there are no more invitations. There are no more church services. There is going to be a change in this world. And the Bible has prophesied it. You believe in Christmas because he came the first time. You better believe in the rapture because he said he's coming again. Satan is a deceiver. And the Bible warns us that fools will mock this telling you why you say why isn't this a bigger deal because every time hollywood gets a hold of this and they, they make a joke out of this to the point where all the things that should stir us up in our hearts are we're, we're making jokes and we and when it comes to hell when it comes to demons when it comes to eternity we've got jokes about all of this movies that talk about them walking in and out of hell nobody walks in and out of hell it's not a joke The Bible says that scoffers, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. They'll make money off of making entertainment that will make a joke out of the things of God. Saying, where is the promise of his coming? They made a joke out of it. I know you guys have seen this as one illustration that stuck out in my head about the Simpsons of Homer. Sitting there ringing the bell and he has a sign on there that says, the end is near. 
He gathers the town together. They go up to the top of this hill. They all look up to the heaven because Homer said that God's coming back. Nothing happens. Then they all get down and they go to the bar and get drunk. It's just a joke. And over and over again, you say, that's stupid. It is stupid because Satan loves to use dumb things to steer our conscience to say, it's just a joke. It's not a joke. Can I remind you? We might not say this in every service, but hell is real. The Bible says in Mark 9, 44, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. The Bible says that Jesus said this and the hell, they lift up his eyes being in torment. You say, I don't understand why God would do that. Do you realize that God's going to take the garbage of this world and burn it up? When I say garbage of this world, I'm talking about sin and cancer and all of the things that defile this world and everything associated with the curse, including Satan and all of his demons, to burn it up. You hold on to your sin, then you drag yourself to hell. God already came to redeem you and set you free. You're playing games with God. You are playing games with the God that died on the cross for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why are you playing games with God? When he's already done everything to pull you out. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you stand before God because you were lost in your sin, it's because you rejected the gift while you had the chance here on earth. We hear this and hear this and hear this and hear this. We become numb to it. So we've heard it so many times and Satan works on our brains. You're fine, you're fine, you're fine until it's too late. Let me finish and have two more points. It will also be unexpected. Over and over again, the Bible says in the moment in the twinkle of an eye, he compares it, but that in the day and hour knoweth no man, not even the angels of heaven. You realize that when the Bible talks about this, it, it, it emphasizes over and over. Nobody knows the day nor the hour. You have some dude on TV that tells you he knows when Jesus is coming back. You mark the day down that that is not the day Jesus is coming back because no, no one knows the day nor the hour. Only God. Do you know why the Bible explains it that way? The Bible explains it that way because of the fact is now is the acceptive time. It's by faith and believing in Jesus Christ. It's not about coming to the end and just lifting up your hands saying, now I believe. No, if you're in church and God works in your heart, God's pulling you now before it is too late. But as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of Son of Man be. From the days where before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the, law, into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took all of them away. And so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Do you know why it emphasizes that? Because in the days of Noah, nobody was sitting there going, it's going to rain soon and, God, and God's going to judge. They were eating and marrying and giving in marriage. You know what it was? They were living up life. I say that to us now. Because I think we get so wrapped up in life. It's not always so much the fact that we reject God that we get distracted from the things of God. Do you guys hear me? I think in this world that we can get distracted with so many things that we get strung out on staying up late on Saturday night, binge watching Netflix, that we, the kids can't even get us out of bed to bring us to church on Sunday. So many distractions in this world that pull us away from the truth and pull us away from, we need teaching like this because it is what opens our eyes to truth. Every one of us that are saved, they know that we were saved because somebody witnessed to us or brought us to church or put us under the sound of the gospel to hear the truth. You say, this is uncomfortable. I'd rather just hear a message about the blessings of God. Those messages will come. You need to know that when Jesus is coming back, you have a way to heaven. 
You need to know that you're ready now. Be ready now. Be ready now. Because you have no promise of tomorrow. Even if it's not the rapture, you need to be ready now. See, the thing is, you must be ready. He said, I will come again. That is a promise of God. That's not a Baptist teaching. It's not Pastor Tony's opinion. That was Jesus that said to us, I will come again. I will receive you unto myself and there will be no more curse and no more cancer and no more garbage. I will come again. I will receive you unto myself. You know why? So where he is, it will be also. And you say, why does he wait? Because the Lord is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Every day that God does not come back is the grace of God to give you one more chance to get out of bed and walk in the church and to hear the word of God and have your kids under the sound of the gospel is the, the grace of God to tell you you got one more chance. If you're breathing right now, you have a chance. And I don't believe it's anything that I said that will change anybody's heart, but I believe in the conviction of God that comes out of the word of God because I'm telling you, it is God breathed. It is his words He speaks to your heart. He pulls you closer. He changes your heart. He makes all things new. Don't forget this verse. Therefore, be ye also ready. Be ready. Be ready. For such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. It's not a game. So if it's not a game, why are there so many people playing games? It wasn't until I was 16 years old that I gave my life to Christ. I heard it, heard it, heard it, heard it, to one day God broke through to my heart and he pricked my heart in such a way that I thought I'm not playing games anymore. And I called out to God and I know that God saved me on that moment. And if you want to hear me testify how I know that I'm saved, it's because God changed me from the inside out. I just want you to have this. I I don't want people going through the motions of being scared or not knowing, or I'm not trying to shake you up in such a way for you to make an emotional decision. I want you to know that Jesus Christ came to die on the cross, and he said, I'm coming again to pull you out of the mess of this world. This world is so messed up, but I'm telling you now, my Jesus, my God has a plan to pull me out. He's going to make all things new. He's going to wipe away the tears from my eyes and I'll never have to say goodbye to another family member ever again, ever again. My simple question to you is, are you ready? Are you ready?